With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. I regret the fact that you wanted to give up your little daughter when we hit $32. She was gone, huh? Yeah. Look at that. Look at that little... Look at that little girl. Sitting up pretty good, huh? T-bone yet? T-bone steak? Pork chops at least? Yeah? Well, let's go to Psalms 115, verse 16, as just a little review. Um, I'm kind of strong into review. Otherwise, I can't remember where I've been. I have to review a lot. lot. But I guess the theme that we're discussing now and trying to develop, if I only had one thing, one, one chance to speak to, you know, one chance left to speak to a sizable crowd, I would probably choose this theme and figure out how to condense it enough to make it impact. Because it is the opposite of what is thought of generally in Christendom today. And I think that's why we are going awry in so many ways is the, is the tendency toward subjectivism rather than, as the Bible talks about, being in the right place. So in Psalms 115, verse 16, just to kind of get us started here, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So there was a place that God designed, and we read some science background last week about that, which we will not do again today as recorded, that there is a place for people, and that's the earth, and that of all the universe, it is the only place known to man where that is habitable and designed for humanity, for human life. And there's a reason for that, because the universe did not just evolve, did not just pop into existence. God had a plan, and that plan was to resolve the sin issue that began in heaven way before the beginning of time. And that's kind of a strange way to say it because before the beginning of time, the way before wouldn't mean anything, would it? You know, we just can't think that way. We cannot think in terms of no time. We can't think of terms in terms of endlessness. We just don't have the capacity to do that. We think about the universe being endless, but in our mind, there has to be an end somewhere. Then, you know, we've got a a brick wall out there somewhere, but what's on the other side of that brick wall? We have no way of comprehending endlessness. 
And we don't have any way of comprehending timelessness. We're not made for that. We're made to be time conscious and end conscious. The first place that God designed for man, as talked about in that verse, there is no option. If you want to live, the earth is it. There is no choice. But the second place that we're talking about is an option, but it's an option available to all, and it will outlast the first place, the earth. The place that God has a design for you is an option for you, and it will outlast the first place. It is to the earth that Jesus came. Jesus did not go to Mars. He did not go to Venus. He didn't go somewhere else in outer space. He came to the earth because that's the process of how God was dealing with the sin issue that began in heaven with Satan. So let's begin with Ephesians chapter 5 today. Ephesians chapter 5. And... Verses 25, we begin. Ephesians 5.25. Actually, I better go back all the way to 22 or I'm going to make somebody mad. I might as well get everybody mad. So if I go back to 22, I can get everybody mad. Wives, to your own husband. Now, that little phrase in there, be subject, isn't there. But it's in the text, isn't it? Is it on the text? Has he got it up there? Is it there? But in the original text, it's not there. What? Did I hear a comment? Okay. So, wives, to your own husbands, and that includes that little phrase in there, be subject to, ask to the Lord. The emphasis there is to your own husbands. There is a unique relationship to your own husband that you don't have with everybody else's husband, theoretically. Verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. We're finding a lot of resistance in that today with Christ being the head of the church we think it's some hierarchy making the calls, calling the shots for the church rather than Christ through his apostles. And notice then that he is what? The Savior of the what? The body. In order for you to be a participant in his salvation, you have to be associated and a part of the place that he is the Savior of. You see that? He himself, the Savior of the body. You can only be a participant with him as your your salvation if you are a part of that which he is the Savior of. 
You must be in the right place. So in verse 24, but as the church is subject to Christ. That's the church, which is the body of Christ, is subject to Christ. So also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Not everybody else's, but your own. Just now, now this is the this is the point we're really after here. Just as Christ also loved whom? You know, we sing a little song as little children. I heard a whole program yesterday based on this little song. I love the song. I'm not saying that, but it's wrong. Jesus loves me, this I know. Where do you find that in the Bible? You don't find it anywhere in the Bible. I tell it to my kids. I sing it. Oh, you ought to hear me sing in my truck. I mean, even you see the rattlesnakes heading out when I drive by. They want to get away. Here comes the guy that sings. We can't handle that. Man, they just hightail it right through the sagebrush. You see, as Christ also loved the church, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that Jesus loves me. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't. I'm not saying that. But we, we get our terminology haywire because we, are, we have been affected by our theology. Husbands, love your wives in the same way that, also, that Christ also loved the church. And what did he give himself up for? For her, the church. Church is feminine. Ekklesia means the called out one. He gave himself up, not for me. He did not die on the cross for me. He did not have me in the back of his mind when he was suffering on the cross. What did he have on his mind when he was dying and suffering on the cross? The church. We need to understand that, folks. It places the church in the right perspective and that it only affects us us when we are in the right place. So in verse 25, husband love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. He gave himself up for the church. Our songs do not reflect that. Most of our messages do not reflect that. Verse 26, why? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. All that come into that body have come through the same process. Why? Again in verse 27, that he might present, him, uh, he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Now, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2 and 47. 
We know that when the people cried out, what must we do? Uh, Peter told them on that great day, the first day of the new covenant, he said, you know, um, um, repent and be baptized, each of you, individually, into Christ Jesus. And you'll receive the promise of the Spirit, which is the promise of sonship, heirship. We'll talk about that later. But in Acts 2.47, as the result of that, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Everyone was saved the same way. You cannot be immersed into a board. Had you ever tried to be immersed into a plank? A two by 12 or two by 12? I mean, the word immersed means to be dipped or plunged. And the only thing that meets that qualification that we can survive, it doesn't say, you know, it's not gas, it's not diesel oil as we talked about in Sunday school today. It's water, because water is the source of life. It really is. What happens when you put water on the desert? I mean, everything grows. I cannot believe one year I counted all the cuttings of alfalfa. I love alfalfa. I love to see it, the process. I love, to, I love to see it harvested. Eleven cuttings in one season. I don't know whether that was, that was three or four years ago. I haven't done that again. But that's a lot of alfalfa off of one field. But you add water, and this ground just produces everything. I'm, I, it's unbelievable. Because water is a source of life. What happens when you don't have it? So water is used by God because of its real facets, but water is everywhere. That there is human life, there is water. Water is the source of life, of everything that exists has to have water. And so he has incorporated that into the salvation process. It's the only thing that we can use to be baptized or immersed into Unless you want to use gas or oil. I mean, people can say anything they want to, but it's just a lot of nonsense if you take water out of the equation when the Bible always talks about water in its association with baptism. But it has to be fluid. It has to be something you can be dipped into and pulled out of. And water is the best. And, of course, there are many reasons for that. So... Anyway, in verse 41, he says in that chapter 2, so then those who had received his word were baptized. They were, they were immersed in a fluid. We are assuming that was water, and there was lots and lots of water in Jerusalem. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls, and then in verse 47, and they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So when you obey the gospel, which is entering into the death of Christ, being buried with Christ in watery baptism, rise to walk in the newness of life, then the Lord takes you as an individual and adds you to the body of Christ. You have been added into the body. There's no other way in. That's it. So the second place is a place that God has provided to all of humanity, which is an option that's available to all, 
it will outlast the first place, which is suffering the second law of thermodynamics, everything physical, is wearing down. Even though it was to that to which Jesus came, But the second place, as an option, is only available to those who live in the first place. And if you live, any and all can enter the second place. And that's the church. That's the body of Christ. That's the place to be. And so that's why we are visiting that place in this little mini-series. That's why we are spending our time studying this place to visit it to understand what's involved in the place so that we will understand where our confidence is. It must be in the place. God has created a place that we can see, has put us in it, and it gives testimony of the Creator who is unseen, who has also made a place that we cannot see, and that place can only be known through God's revealed written word. And when we believe what that written word says about things that we cannot see, that's what constitutes faith. So you can see how those things all tie together. We can enter a place and you can leave a place. You can enter into this building, you can leave this building. Anything that God has done for you, you can enter and you can leave. There is no prison salvation. I know there are churches right here on this block or in this street that teach that once you're saved, you cannot become unsaved. Ever hear that? Once saved, always saved. You've heard that. That's prison salvation. That once you're in it, you can't get out. That's prison salvation. That's, you enter into a bar. I mean, into the, it's barred. You can't, you, you can get in, but you can't get out. But what God has done, he has provided a place, given us all of the details of it, that we can enter, and we can always leave it. That's our choice. But the promises always remain in it, and so there is our encouragement to remain true to what it is that we should be in, and to stay put in that so in Philippians chapter 3, our initial text, text in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, um, if, she's gonna, if he's going to get that up here for us, Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 9 is fine. Um, <clears throat> so he's talking about the superiority of knowing Christ, knowing Christ as Lord, as the ruler, so that I may gain Christ and may be found Where? In Him. That's the thing that we want to get clear, clear, clear in our thinking. That we must be in Him, be found in Him. We know Him to be found in Him, discovered in Him. God can't discover you outside of being in Christ. And that's a hard thing. You know, people, oh, he was so good. I don't care. It's better that you be in the right place and not be so good, but you better be good too, than to be outside of that place and be so good that you don't feel that there's a need to be in the place. 
This cuts through all of the subjectivism of Christendom that we know of today. So what is our position? Are you in him today? There's no need to guesswork in this matter. If you've gone through the right process and you are buried into Christ and have risen out of the watery grave of baptism into a new life, you know that you are now in him. Now, when we are in him, what else is there there that we need to get a handle on? Let's go to 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. So far, that's all introductory, and, you, and, and it's a review of where we were last week. So let's go to 1 Peter 1, 3 and 5, because this is what we're working our way through. <clears throat> you notice that word blessed right there? That word blessed means to speak well of. We'll wait see. Oh, see that? See that's the word, the word eulogy? Lulagestos? Uh, you all know how to, you know what, what that all means. And it, it means to be spoken well of. So what it means is in this context here, yeah, right over here, to speak well of, see? That's right from the dictionary. That's not, my, that's not my opinion. That's what the word blessed means. It's how you speak. Oh, I want to be blessed of God. Well, yeah, but what do people have in mind? Well, they want a new car, or they want a new diaper, or they want something else, you know. They always want something. But that's not what blessed means. It means what one says. It's the opposite of the word curse, which means to speak evil of. And this word means to speak well of. You see that? All right, back to our text. Blessed. Speak well of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We speak well of him because he is the originator of the Lord. The Lord came from God, and we've discussed that from the chart, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into, and this is the into. See that little word right there? It's into. He's going to prove this to you. It's going to, I think it's going to be ice. But I always, let the, I always let the document prove them point. Sometimes I'm wrong. Right here. See that little word there? See that? That's the word ice. They've got it unto. That's wrong. Ice is the little preposition meaning into. You see that? Into. So he has begotten us not unto a hope, but into into, and here they've translated just to, and in a way that's fine, but it doesn't give us that we're inside of it. We're, in, we're in, in it. You come into the building. If you come to the church, where are you? You're probably still outside, but you're in the location. But if you come into the building, where are you? Where you are right now. You're in the building now. Into meant you went through the process of entering into. Now you're in it. Those two prepositions. So we are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then we're going to talk about all this other stuff here later too. But first of all, into this living hope. It may be all the time we have. So you're either into the hope, into the living hope, the hope that is living, or you're outside. Inside or outside. That's your choice. I want to have a hope in life. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a man, according to what we just got through read, 
through reading, as a man assures us as mankind of our hope. As long as we hold to that, we are a free people. So what is this hope? Is it a bowl of beans? Hopefully. (laughs) Or maybe a possum stew? Or is it something of your wishing imagination? But how about destination? The living hope that we're talking about here is the hope that we have when we are in the right place that, is en- that brings us into endlessness. That we will enter into a relationship of life that is without end. Last week we read this, but let's read it again in Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 18 through 20. If that by, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope. Not just to be where it is, but snatch it, get a hold of it. Wrap your mind around it. So this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, when you get your mind and thinking wrapped around this hope, that there is a place where you can look forward to endlessness. You know, everything else in life ends. You buy a new car, how old is your Jeep? Is it getting older? getting older. My truck's 21 years old. Everything you buy, you know, I really love my truck. You probably like your Jeep. Oh, yeah. Got a skateboard to go along with it? Oh, you should have a skateboard with a Jeep like that. A surfboard? Okay. It'll float too, eh? Uh, <clears throat> but, but, you know, uh, every, everything that you buy, everything that you see, Wears out, has an end. So our hope, he is saying, as a living hope, is in what does not end. The endlessness of the best imaginable thing. So let's go back to our text in Hebrews. We set this hope as an anchor of our soul. And notice in verse 19, he goes on to say, one that is both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. The hope goes all the way through the river Jordan into the presence of God and is anchored there. So as long as you hold on to that rope of endless, destination you will be assured of arriving at that destination and it says in verse 20 where Christ has entered as a forerunner he has gone ahead set the anchor so that when you grasp that anchor rope by being in the right place 
You have a living hope because of its destiny. And its destiny is because Christ has brought endlessness to life when you're in him. He says those who believe this shall not die in John chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19. So compared to the old law, compared to the other churches that still believe they're under the old covenant, for the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope. That's the one we're talking about, is the better hope that through, through which we draw near to God because Christ is there in the presence of God and when we are attached to this hope which anchors beyond the veil, the veil of death and into the presence of God when we have a hold of that we draw near to Him because that's where our destiny lies. That's where our hope exists is in Him. Let's look at Acts 13. Acts chapter 13. I'm surprised there's anybody here today, you know, being Labor Day and all. I was hoping Betty would bring her meal. (laughs) All right, chapter 13 of the book of Acts. And verse 38 and 39. 13, 38. Acts chapter 13 and verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That through him everyone who believes is freed from all things. That's that's the dimension of freedom that we're talking about. That when one is in him and is added into a living hope, which is found in the church, which is the body of Christ, when one enters that, you are freed from all things. Folks, that's the freedom that you cannot achieve through war. That through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. And he's worried. He's talking there about the dangers of getting caught up in the aspects of the old law that have no promise. Keep yourself in the living hope and stay put. So our hope is not in what ends. We are in Christ. We are having, we have the hope of an endlessness of the best thing possibly imaginable beyond our capability of grasping. And that would take me in conclusion to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And you'll notice that all of this is in relationship to being someplace. When when, When we are in Him, we are into a living hope that is in Him. And then we're going to find next week, not only is there a living hope, but in that living hope, There is the hope of an inheritance. And that we will talk about next week. Let's close with 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
and verse 2. <clears throat> now, I, I believe that Paul is talking about something else here, but let's see what he says. I know a man in Christ, and I think he's talking about himself, okay? I can't prove that, but the, the testimony here is I think he's putting himself into the third person for a purpose. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up into the third heaven. Now, none of that's really important at this point. That's a different issue. But I know how such a man, and I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise. And notice he heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. And all that I want to extract from that is that there is something about what Paul saw saw that was so marvelous, so beautiful, that there were no words that could express it. That's the foundation of the living hope that is found in him. I don't know what it is, but I know that Paul says it's beyond the capability of humanity to understand what it is to be in the presence of God. That's where our hope is. We can't even fathom that, but we have to be in the right place in order to be in and have the right hope, and in that right hope is where we find our inheritance, and that, God permitting, we will talk about next week. Let's stand and sing our closing song today. Make sure today that you know that you're in the right place and you know how to get there. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.